boy, Yu-Gi-Oh! really wishes it was this classy. This is the awesome cast. folks and welcome back to the awesome cast your podcast for everything awesome i'm basil and with me this time is not kevin or doug i actually have two special guests with me on this podcast first off from momocon is hi i'm jess i'm one of the two con chairs of momocon and also with with us from otaka usa magazine as well as any gamers Strike that. Reverse it. Ink and uh, hi. Okay, well, you probably are more anti-gamers than Otaki USA, but Otaki USA, that's like, that's an actual print magazine. That's got, like, and that's that's quote-unquote important. It's got, like, ten readers, it's, I mean. It, and growing. It's, it's the last standing print magazine for anime, so anyone who hears this podcast should definitely check it out online, otakiusa.com, and subscribe. Yes, we'll bring it up to 12 readers. Exactly. <laughs> so how are y'all doing tonight, guys? I'm pretty good. How are you, Basil? I, I am doing excellent, because we're going to be talking about awesome, amazing shoujo's works. I know. I'm really excited. Or is it? No, it's Jose. That's right. Yeah. Jose. But, yes, yeah, so we can find us on various places. You can, of course, find the um, AwesomeCast at AwesomeCast.com, O-S-M-C-A-S-T dot com. You can now find us on Twitter at AwesomeCast. You can find us now on Tumblr at AwesomeCast. You can find us on Facebook, AwesomeCast. You can email us at AwesomeCast at gmail.com. Leave comments in the comment section. You can now listen to us on Stitcher. We're now doing Stitcher. Um, we are still having issues getting ourselves back up on iTunes, but I now had to have a post explaining how you can manually add yourself to iTunes because iTunes won't add us back for some weird reason. Because that jerks. They, they are. But speaking of jerks, if you have any complaints for our podcast at all, please send all issues and problems and yelling at us emails to podcast at chainsawbuffet.com. <laughs> nice. <laughs> and uh, you can... You, you, are we are we moving on to other, other plugs? Or Yes, we're moving on to other plugs. Okay. I didn't mean to jump uh, all over you. I'm terrible. That, that, that's okay. Jump all over me as much as needed. <laughs> uh, I, you, can, you can find out about Momocon on momocon.com. That's M-O-M-O-C-O-N. If you didn't know, Momo means peach in Japanese, and we're based in Atlanta. We thought it was kind of clever. Uh, we, uh, If social media exists, we're on it. Just take a look. I'm kind of everywhere. And usually you're conversing with me if you're conversing with someone on our social media platform. Uh, we're running a Kickstarter right now. That's kind of exciting. Uh, for a game and media animation career fair. Uh, so if you want to support that, there's links on Momocon.com as well. It's pretty cool. That's all I got. <laughs> now, what is MomoCon, Jess? Oh, yeah, I guess I should say that. It's Momo a Con is festival. A... <laughs> of course. No. 
Uh, MomoCon is an animation and gaming convention that's held in Atlanta. We had uh, 12,000 attendees in 2013, and we are looking for we're looking to have some crazy growth because our numbers are way up for pre-reg. So it's going to be really awesome fun. We've announced some awesome guests. There's uh, uh, like 17 guests on the guest list, and I've got another five or six waiting in the wings that haven't confirmed with me with contracts yet. So there's lots of cool stuff coming. We actually just confirmed uh, last night uh, the Toonami crew. Uh, the crew that puts on the Toonami block is coming back, uh, which is pretty cool. I'm still mad that you were able to finally – someone run us – besides, anyway, finally landed Troy Baker. Uh, I love Troy Baker. We Well, is... we booked Troy Baker and we got Courtney Draper so that we could have like a Bioshock thing going on too. Nice. Well, he's pretty cool. Like he is a cool guy. Like I remember seeing him at NecoCon several years ago, and go. I went to my local NecoCon. I'm like, like, guys, we gotta, we gotta get Troy Baker now. If we don't get him now, we're never getting him. And now that he's in like things like Bioshock and Batman and Last of Us, I'm like, wow, we're never getting him. Yeah. So it, it's cool that you are getting him because he is he is a cool guy to get. Speaking of cool guys to get. We've got Ink, and Ink does awesome things in places. How about where those are, Ink? Typically in your backyard. You don't know, but I'm in the tree or the shrubbery. Just, you know, binoculars. Those are the cool things I do. (laughs) Really impressive, considering I live in Alabama. Hey, you know, frequent flyer miles, man. (laughs) They help. (laughs) You can can find me generally on anagamers.com or a uh, anime manga animation site um we review stuff uh most of our people have other tentacles everywhere uh evan minto is uh, actually involved with crunchyroll right now he's a programmer for them and he'd be proud of me for saying disclaimer that does not affect any of the shows he reviews on the site um let's see what else he's also a writer for otaku usa like i am um and I also write for Fandom Post. You can find me there. But they made me change my name to Mastio Van Plume because they don't like uh, pseudonyms. Okay. So that's where you can find all of us who are talking to you tonight about uh, Chihayafuru, which is an amazing Jose anime and manga series. But before that, we've got to get into our moments of awesome. Moments of Awesome. So, Moments of Awesome, where we talk about things where that we think are cool, just not in super long form. I'm trying to think of my... I'm in, I'm in rag my brain on what I wouldn't do, because I was doing my season of sport for a while, because there were a lot of sports anime that started up last season. Did you... Are you caught up on Epo? Um, I am almost caught up on Epo. I need to watch the latest episode. Uh, for Epo, what I actually end up doing is usually I wait a couple of weeks, and then just and marathon watch, it, and then marathon a couple, yeah. and I'll, I'll marathon like two or three episodes at a time. That's cool. Because you know, wait, wait. That's well. I guess I'll now use Ippo for it. Hajime no Ippo. I think it's Rising. Is this one? It is the latest of the boxing series. I don't remember if I talked about this yet or not, but whatever. We just did a year in retrospective anyway, so I've talked about it before, regardless. But it is a long-running manga series that's still going on that we occasionally, uh, Madhouse, will grace us with uh, seasons out of nowhere. And it's about... 
it was kind of out of nowhere, this new one. <laughs> it's like, what? <laughs> well, from what I understand is one of uh, Matt House's more old school producers was the guy who tracked down the mangaka for it and was like, hey, I, I worked on uh, Ashina Joe. And I want your boxing manga is really cool. Let us do your boxing an your bo your boxing anime adaptation. That's pretty. And because that guy was you know a known quantity, he was like okay. And so, what I understand that is a story on how Yo Ippo got made into anime. Hmm. And I believe some of those same guys they they're now part of the guys who split up with Mappa, which is you know sort of a, a madhouse offshoot who also worked on uh, Kids on the Slope. Well, yeah. Mar Which... Mar Mariyama is the uh, the who was the former head of uh, Madhouse. Actually, founded that entire company on his own. He he split off from Madhouse due to creative differences. And uh, but what's funny is that if you look at the the credits for uh, Ippo Rising, it Madhouse and Mappa both work on it. Hmm. So uh, I guess you know it is not as much bad blood as one might think when someone breaks off from a pre-existing group. Oh no! You, so you you know how the the Japanese creatives are. There, you know, always you know keep in touch but distance themselves. So I thought that was really neat, and it stars a guy named Ippo. He is this burly dude who was originally sort of a sort of a geeky outcast guy who eventually learns all about the joy. Who who his dad was a really big inspiration for who who passed away at an early when he was an early age, and. His dad was this big, strong guy, and so he always wanted to, to be strong like his dad, and it's sort of his ongoing quest to understand what the meaning of strength is, but through boxing. So, you know, pretty sure that he's probably way stronger than his dad ever actually was, just in terms of actual strength, but because of his dad, you know, being so much larger than life, in his life, Ippo is still, of course, going like, I don't know if I know it yet, i got to become stronger, you know, a good, nice shonen sentiment. And so it's been in three chunks now, basically, where you had the first really long TV series, which is one of the best blocks of just pure sports anime you can find. And I'll explain what pure sports anime is later, <laughs> or what I refer to as pure sports anime. But then we got a second season a few years ago, and then now we're in our current third season. And it's it. I've been enjoying it a lot. It, he it starts off actually with a flashback uh, about his experiences with his father, Ippo's father, Ippo and his father, which was really nice. And then we're getting into some really neat fights, and I'm really enjoying it. That's cool. So, yes. Who's next? Ladies first. Okay. I'm not that interesting um, because I, this is going to sound really shameful. I'm not. I'm not currently following any anime whatsoever. It's terrible. I'm a horrible fan, and God, I'm not even following any animation either. Like Stucky will put on Archer occasionally, and I guess it's in the background. I'm watching Chicago Hope on Hulu, and I'm loving the shit ever, shit ever loving shit out of it. I don't even know why. Something about hospital dramas. <laughs> mm. It's it's not that exciting, but like. It's an exciting show. It's really good, but I don't know. I, I couldn't get into any anime. In the last, I, I think the last series I watched to completion was probably Attack on Titan, and the only reason I watched it to completion is because I'd finished so much of it, and the end of it was very frustrating, and I couldn't leave it unfinished, so I had to finish it. It was like, 
it couldn't go unfinished. So I'm really not that exciting. I apologize. You you could talk about things that aren't anime. Technically, we are a much like Momocon is a multi-genre con. The awesome cast is technically a multi-genre podcast. Oh. Well, I spent last weekend in Nashville with with our friends from MTAC. That was pretty exciting. I can plug their con, right? <laughs> yeah, that, that's fine. It's whatever. I, but, you know, it's... I missed Basil because Basil couldn't be there, and it made me sad. Well, maybe if y'all told me ahead of time that that was happening, I could have... Hey, you can blame Lauren for that. I'm just saying. I, this is secret back-end knowledge of conventions. We all know each other, and a lot of us all like each other and hang out. So, Yeah. <laughs> But just, just for an example, one of the things we reviewed last last week, or last episode, was how delicious duck is. Oh my god, so, duck is the best! It's the best fatty meat, holy crap! Especially if you so eat delicious. it just like rotisserie style, just hold a, hold a spit in your hands and rotate the duck, and oh. gnaw off the duck flesh. Oh my god, that's so primal and fantastic. So, like, re- seriously, moments of awesome, anything goes. So don't don't feel bad if it's not anime, seriously. Well, okay, okay. So I got one. I got one. Okay. So this is a little a little dated cuz it's like the end of January, but so on January 1st. Um on January 1st, I decided that you know in the south, right? You have New Year's traditions where you're supposed to eat pork for health and you're supposed to eat greens for money and hop and john, which is like beans and rice, like dirty rice, for luck, right? Well, that's all well and good. But all of those things exist in Korean barbecue. So I got together a giant group of people. And, oh, I'll preface this with, if you've never had Korean barbecue, I'm pretty sure God reached his hand down and touched South Korea and said, I'm sorry you guys got the shit end of this and you're going to have to deal with communism later and some assholes above you. So here's the most delicious food in the world. Enjoy. And that's what Korean barbecue is. It's Dear God, it's it's like heaven. And I took 20 people to an all-you-can-eat Korean barbecue on New Year's Day to fulfill our southern food obligations of pork and greens and rice and beans. And I ate so much, and I took the giantess poop afterwards, and it was possibly the best day I've ever had in my entire life. <laughs> That's a pretty good moment of awesome. It was pretty awesome. I, I don't know how you're going to top that, Inc. I, I, I don't know. That, that's... <sighs> Wow. No, I, I I can't. But like, my, my my lame attempt um would be uh a book party uh I just have I just attended. It was uh for my recent collection. Um and I actually had a haiku death match with another poet where uh the host or the MC of the event came out in uh, a kimono and was officiating this uh, this this battle of words to the death, and in the end, the we were both so slain by each other's words that were so bloodied, the the audience could not tell by applause who actually won. We were both so dissolved in each other's insults that we lay there a mass on the floor with nothing to contend, and the night just sort of got immortalized in this picture a live painting artist did. And afterwards, we all went to a diner in that state and got free food because of it. That's pretty awesome. Th- that is pretty awesome. Do you, 
Do you, by chance, remember any of the haikus that you threw? Through? Well, they're actually more senryu than uh, the haiku, but... Okay. I do. If you can babble for a second while I find, like, two of them, because they were pretty funny. Uh, all right, sure. Like, that, that sounds like, I mean, it's... Like, man, that is... That has to be, like, possibly one of the most hipster, like, epic events I, I have ever heard of in, in recent memory. <laughs> the whole you. idea of, like, I'm going to have a haiku battle to the death, and then we can't out-applause each other, because no one can decide, and then we go to a diner. And, and, and by the way, someone captured this in a live painting. It's like... I, I just... I, I need to go wear some tie-dye, and <laughs> go eat some, some roughage, and maybe some, you know... Speak, some oh organically grown meat. Speaking of roughage... Last year... <laughs> Here, here was one that made the crowd uh, giddy. Vegan, friend to all animals. Just look at how his blow-up sheep grins. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, vegans. <laughs> yeah, stuff like that. So that was my moment of awesome. Nice, nice. Well, speaking of poems and poetry... That is an excellent segue to our actual topic of conversation. That was not planned at all. As, well, because we'll be dealing with a hundred poets or a hundred poems. Was it a hundred poems or a hundred poets? Same thing. Same thing. Regardless, it is about a Japanese cartoon. All about that, if those hundred poems we're in fact an obscure Japanese card game. We're talking about Chihaya Furu. is a sports anime. A sports anime is an anime about a sport. I'm sure that if people have been listening to the Oscar cast for a while, they know all about it because that is my jam. <laughs> like, it is. And I feel that sports anime, you, there's sort of two general poles that you can have. One is things like Hajime no Ippo and Ace of Diamond, where it's sports anime for sport, the sport's sake where a lot of it is really about that sport and about the playing of the sport. And things like, for example, uh, Ice Shield 21 was sort of a way that it was, you know, it was a wacky comedy, but it was really nested in the whole idea of American football and how they play American football and the rules are and what crazy things are doing because the rules and various techniques do you classify Yakitate Japan in that category? It is that same style. I I feel that's more cooking anime. Well, yeah, but yeah, it's, that's, it's, that's, it's, 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 it's very... In my 
my opinion, it's very tropey. Like, like it's got the sports anime trope. It's almost like a big parody of the sports anime trope. But um, I think it's it's really a question of sports anime is sort of under a a, a sort of a nesting umbrella of spe- specific uh, subjects and sort of almost informational shows. Whereas there's there is a because there's a whole lot of cooking anime and manga out, well not anime but there's a whole lot of food manga out there, mm-hmm. and a lot of that food manga is that same style as Yagatai Japan, and so it's almost it, as much of its own genre as sports are, but they follow the same sort of ideas. Okay. They use the same sort of templates and ideas like like you've said. Yeah. And so I don't think it's I don't think Yagatai Japan is a parody of sports. So much, and it's more. It's it's the style of food manga or food anime would be. But then on the other end of the pole, you have stuff like uh, Mitsuda Adachi's works, like Touch and uh, Cross Game, where it's actually telling a completely different story that just is using sports as a framing device. Where, where, for example, in Touch and Cross Game, it's the whole idea of getting over a loss, and which is really the big thing in Cross Game. Whereas Touch also has sort of a romantic comedy thing going on along with it too. And baseball's in there, but it almost feels like they could have swapped that out with other sports, and pulled, or at least other team sports, and pulled something similar off. Interesting, and I like your classification, and you know, and. I don't mean to interrupt your intro here, but I had a thought about it. So uh, I don't know how familiar you guys are with uh, board game styles, American versus European board game styles. But it's almost like this could be analogous to board game styles because American board games are based on theming. And it's about the actual theme. Like, you know, if it's wizards and witches, it's very into wizards and witches instead of the mechanics of the game. Whereas European style, it's all about the mechanics of the game, and you could pretty much swap out the theme easily, hmm. and it would make no difference. Um, it, it's about the mechanics of it. So, I don't know. It felt very similar when you were describing it. I like that analogy, actually. And I, I kind of feel that Chiafuru kind of... It actually, what it ends up doing is it sits somewhere in the middle, where it is, I don't think you could do this anime style of anime without Karata. But it does the same thing where, because Karata is this obscure card game, especially in America. No one, no one's going to know what Karata is. Like, let's face it, probably none of us knew what Karata was until this anime came out. Well, we would, people in America would know if NIS licensed it. Did I say that out loud? Oops. Hey, NIS, <laughs> did you hear that? <laughs> I wish they heard that. <laughs> Anyways, it is. I mean, even in Japan, it's kind of a. It seems like it's a, like an. It's an. It's an old card game. It's an old game, and it's kind of. It's one of those things that they know, but they don't really. You know, once you get to a certain age, you, unless you're a really big fan of it, you probably never deal with it ever again. It reminds me of in America when you learn to play the recorder in like third grade, and then you never pick it up again. Except yeah. that this, you know, they they still have annual competitions. It takes place every January, and it's actually the popularity has been growing since the uh, the airing of this anime and the uh, well, introduction of the manga. I don't mean a direct correlation, but that's what it that's what it reminds me of because it, I, I can't think of anything else that I guess in the U.S. that people actually do play wood you know, like woodwind instruments. 
but very few people do. And everybody kind of learns to, at some point in elementary school, to play the recorder, you know? Mm. So, hmm. and, and the recorder still is somewhat relevant. If you're ever bored, just do a Google search for flute, flute drop. <laughs> you'll, you'll get uh, sent to this amazing SoundCloud page where this guy, he will take very popular songs and right when it hits like the important courses and things, he replaced the vocals with him playing a recorder really badly. <laughs> it nice. is, it is an absolute amazingly terrible, but yet still amazing, uh, piece of musical artistry that I can never recommend enough. But what I feel is that what you see, I realized watching it especially once we got to the second season of Achihayafuru, all the characters themselves are, you know, they're, they're, they're somewhat misfits. They're, they're people who don't quite, you know, fit in anywhere. But once they get into Karata, this sort of misfit card game itself, that's when they fit in. That's where they sort of find their purpose. Well, that's sort of the and, whole impetus behind the main character's motivation is she's this passionless uh, thing who just sort of worships her sister for being a model and in the public eye. Uh, she's got all the attention she's getting, you know, in magazines and adored by high school and her friend, uh, people at her high school and Chihaya's friends, or Ayase's friends, I should say. Um, but all of a sudden she discovers this one person, a friend or someone who she inadvertently defends in class uh, who ends up teaching her a passion that she was unaware of or that could even exist. And once she sees that, she something ignites in her. And not so much that she's a misfit, and she is, because, you know, Karuta is not in the public eye, but because she cares so much about this passion that she's seen portrayed public perception doesn't even matter. It doesn't even come to account on this. The only time uh, public opinion matters in Chiai Furu is some slight mention of how the club that she eventually forms is, you know, oh, well, that's the Karuta Club. That doesn't really matter. Yeah, it's interesting. It's interesting they refer to her as a, a Muda Bijin, a wasted beauty, because she does mm. turn out to be really pretty. <laughs> And, and she's really awkward and really outspoken and holy crap. <laughs> There's several times in the series, in both series, first season and second season, where they point out exactly how much she doesn't care for other people as much as she cares for Garota. <laughs> but, it, well, that's one of the things where she was, she was a beauty. I mean, she is, she is no way, honestly, you know, visually any less than her sister, but because she grew up with her sister being, you know, so important she never had a chance to realize that she could be important too until she met this she'll tell she met this card game as it were and if you look at all the other characters they, they're they're all in some way you know there's not quite outcasts but they're misfits they they've got their own quirks and things that sort of kept them from really forming any other really good long-term relationships until they get into Karata. Like, even your uh, other character, one of the other main characters, um, uh, Taichi, who is ostensibly the popular one, 
he his issue is that he you know, he's constantly always had to study really hard to be the best to you know appease his overbearing parents. Yeah, and so because of that, he never really formed any connections except for when he started playing with Ayase. Uh, and so, and then you have um, Deskokun or. Destomukun. Ah. Yes. Just call him you glasses. Know, where, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, it's where his issues are with, you know, also again, you know, he is super, he is, he is very smart and he thinks of things very analytically and he was, and no one ever would talk to him or even try to really become his friend because he was always nerd. tied to his desk. He's a big nerd. And then you have, uh, oh, what's her name? The girl with the, who's really big about uh, kimonos. I just call her the boob girl. Kanade Oi. Oi. Sorry. Oi. <laughs> no disrespect, Oi. <laughs> I no disrespect. Got... I love boobs. <laughs> <laughs> where she's got her own things. But again, Karata sort of brings... yeah, It brings them all together. And, and I really do feel like Karata, as much as anything else, is about you know finding your own niche, your own place into this world. I'll take you one step and, further and blow your mind. It's about the connection with the poems, which is the connection with Japan's history through its literary tradition that's actually bringing them together as a culture. Ah. Y- y- yes. I would I would almost supplement that with, um, uh, I guess, a, and, and I see it in a lot of anime. I don't know how much of it is a cultural thing. Uh, uh, drive for success, a competitive spirit. I don't know. Uh, mm. Like, the rival idea the idea of having like a positive thing the arrival being a positive thing to drive you on further i think that's another piece of it too because i don't i don't know that chihaya connects as much with uh, or or um i don't think chihaya connects as much with the history in the poems themselves as well outside of her interaction with uh oe but i it's a lot of the competitive spirit which i think is also a very japanese thing so well, I, I do think the show also does a really good job of they'll they'll you know they'll constantly talk about various cards that are being played and and you know therefore the poems and then usually they they do a pretty good job of sort of tonally matching at least some of the poems to whatever's going on in that particular episode. Yeah, I'd... and I guess we should actually get into a little bit about the basics of the show itself. Yeah, that'd be helpful <laughs> before we get into theoretics. <laughs> um. Again, it is it is a Jose manga. It is at, at, at its base, and it is written by uh, Yuki uh, to Tetsuku. I'm really bad about pronouncing Japanese things, so I apologize to anyone who's listening to me try to do that. And anyways, it is about a car. It, uh, she published it. It's published by uh, Kadansha. It has been going on for now 23 volumes. 24, I think. Okay, 24. Well, I'm going off of Wikipedia, so it could totally be okay. correct or incorrect. Uh, but it was pu- it's published in the magazine uh, B-Love. It, it is Jose. And it is about uh, this card game, ostensibly is the sport in question, called um, Inc. Competitive Karuta. Karuta. Well, I, I meant the full name of it. That is the full name. 
the, um, the 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 thing the game is based off of is called the Hayakunin issue. That's what I meant. Sorry, my bad. Uh, that's what I was referring to. Or, as I found the uh, most recent, easily obtained translation in America, one hundred poems, one hundred poets, one poem each. Yes. Which you can find on Amazon actually for uh, decently priced. And you have the, if you have the Kindle version, if you have the Kindle, I think there's a version actually available for free on there, and it has a really good bit about translation in it too. Okay, cool. So there was and... actually an anime. That... Uh, sorry to interrupt, Basil. There was actually uh, an anime that came out a few seasons ago, also that it dealt with um, the hundred poems and hundred poets. Uh, that was not Chihaya Furu. It was specifically about the poems. It was a 15-minute show, I think, where they had 15-minute episodes. I wish I could remember the name of it, but I can't. Udukoi. Udukoi? Udukoi, yeah. Thank you. Or uh, Folk Tales from Japan. No, no, no. It was uh, Udukoi. That's that, that something else? Yeah. Yeah, yeah that's right. No, Folk Tales from Japan was something completely different. Yeah, Udukoi but... was two sets of 15-minute uh, episodes. Each one, it was, it was showcased as an overly embellished version of each poem or how we, each poem yeah. came to be. Yeah, and how the uh, poets were related to each other in, in different encounters. Uh, it, was, it was a little over the top, but I enjoyed it, personally. I could see pulling out a random DVD and just putting it in any time in IS America. <laughs> yeah, I, I could. But Carta is a game based off those Hundred poems, and you've and it's uh, you pretty much you have two sets of cards, and the whole idea is that you're supposed to lay your cards out, memorize their and memorize where they are because you have a reader who's going to pull out the matching card for it, and they're going to read a part of that poem, and I believe you're trying to. Uh, Either is it you're just matching what they're saying, or you're you're trying to grab the next part of it. You're trying to grab the next part of it, and what makes right. the game especially difficult is there's a hundred poems by as many poets as you know insinuated by the name, um, but only fifty are placed in front of the players. The reader has the full set of a hundred poems, so there are dead cards or ghost cards as they're called. Um, so a reader can start to uh, recite a poem on one card and immediately the players are trying to think where is this card in front of me so I can touch it and get that card so you know I can be one card closer to victory because after you get all after you clear 50 cards or after you clear 26 cards or 25 cards you're the winner um, but not all the cards are in play so Players can jump and cause faults at thinking, you know, oh, this is a card, I know where it is, but it's not actually that card. And so this anime was, there's an anime adaptation uh, created by Madhouse, I believe. Yep. It was, it was Madhouse, and both seasons uh, were directed by a guy named uh, Morio, Morio uh, Asaka. Who actually directed things like Chobits. Uh, he also worked on uh, Cheese Sweet Home. Nana. And he was the director for uh, Nana, that adaptation. And the the first the uh, first series scriptwriter and composition person for the first season 
the only thing that person's done before, at least according to Anime News Network, the person was uh, Naoya uh, Takayama, also worked on uh, the Supernatural anime series. They've done that and Chiyafuru. But then the second season uh, was worked on by um, Ayako Kato and Yuko um, Kakihara. And what they worked on before the second season of Chiafuru was Kids on the Slope. Which was another Jose manga adaptation that was done by MAPPA, who we mentioned earlier. Interesting. And so that's sort of the, the basics of, you know, who is making this, 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 this program. And this anime is, again, the sport in question is Karuta. And so you've got the adventures of this Karuta club. And it all, it all based around actually this, this sort of trio of kids, uh, Ayase, uh, Chihaya, uh, Maishima Taichi and Wate Arata. Yeah. And those are ostensibly those three, you know, make our, our lead characters, Although Arata, you don't get to see quite so often. As they were, those three as kids, uh, that's where they sort of formed their their joy of Karata. Because Arata was, his grandfather was a grandmaster at the game. And he wanted to be a grandmaster too. He wanted to become the ultimate, you know, king of Karata. As it literally is. Because you get the king and queen. Uh, and the and the major tournaments, or do they call? I know they call him Queen. They call him King, right? Or I'm thinking of a different name. I'm going to say it's King, uh, but I'm not entirely sure. It's uh, uh, I'm not sure they ever. It's Master. Well, the translation I think is Master. I want to <laughs> okay. Say. But that's that, that's his sort of his goal, and he's always been Arata's like, always been alone because who in the world is going to actually be interested in Karata? You know, even growing up. And Ayase is really big about everyone being cool. Like, she, so when she hears that he's good at this thing, she's like, that's awesome. And as he's teaching her the game, and or how to really play the game, he mentions, you know, the whole thing of, like, if you become queen, then you're the best person in the world, because this is a sport only really played in Japan. Uh, Meiji, by the way. Sorry. <laughs> nice. The... Untranslated was Majin. Okay. Sorry. <laughs> no, that's cool. But thank you for looking that up. And so her, so once she finds out that, wait, I can actually get good at this game, and if I'm the best at this game, I'm the best, period. I can also be the best at something. Was pretty eye-opening for her. Because she had never thought about being good at anything. And so... And then Tai Chi, for his own reasons, not at all bad reasons, not really bad reasons at all, just male reasons. Yeah, you know, he kind of has a little bit of a crush on Ayase, and he decides to learn Karta as well, and they sort of form their own little, you know, those three form their own little trio, and then Arata has to move away. Well, they kick everybody's also, ass. They they kick everybody's ass at like at at matches like 
first because uh, because of uh, Arata's background, but yeah. Yeah. <laughs> what I kind of really but, like, though, and I'm sorry for interrupting, but something that fine. I'll totally forget to mention earlier or later is that I love the fact that Mishima doesn't really choose to play Karuta. He's forced into it because of his own feelings and fear of losing his best friend to this new transfer student who's suddenly garnered the attention of his best friend. And I like that the male isn't the empowered person in this. I like that, you know, Chihaya comes to it on her own and, you know, totally develops it on her own, which is very important because up until this point she hasn't had any sort of drive. And I just wanted to put that in before we advanced. No, no, totally, because yeah, after they this all happens and they sort of become this trio of Karuta Doom, they immediately break up as far as a group goes because they all kind of move in different directions. Because at this point, they're little kids in grade school. And we come back to them in high school where Ayase is still trying to form a Karuta club. She's still trying to play this game, even if nobody else around her wants to. And by her sheer force of will, she makes things happen. She finds people, she reconnects with Taichi, and they start forming, she meets Oe, and they start forming a club and gaining members. And then it becomes this, you know, then the sports anime you know, comes on in full, where there are tournaments that you can play in, and both teams, team matches as well as individual matches as they all try to become better in this sport of Karta. Yes. I don't know. I, I think it's a, okay. So I think it's an interesting dynamic because it's, it's a, it's a non, it's a, it's a love trio, but it's not a love trio at the same time. It's kind of the crux behind the show. And I, I really like the, the beginning of it. Uh, the very, it's in the very first episode, this isn't a whole lot of spoiler uh, in some of the very first episodes, especially when um, Chihaya specifically, there's a card that begins with the first two syllables of her name. Um, and that's her card, so to speak, that's touched on a few times in, in the, in the show. And it's the first one, um, a little bit of background, I guess. Can we, I don't know how spoilery you want me to get. Give me, give me some guidance here, Basil. Uh, we can do like the first, like four or five episodes. I wouldn't go really deep. Okay. Well, this is a little bit of backstory. Um, Arata is, uh, his, grandfather is very good at karta i'll leave it at that so he has had a lot of practice prior to playing with chihaya and is arguably incredibly good at it for the first time he plays with her and she takes a card from him and it is very unexpected and i think anybody can really relate to when you're playing a game and you you're just really bad at it at first and you have that one instance where you score a goal or you do something or you get a kill or it just feels really good. And you do it against somebody who's significantly better at it and it just encourages you so much. And I, I really love that instance in the very beginning of the show. I don't know. It's a key moment. It really is. It's very relatable. I, I when I, it's just going to sound really strange. When I first learned how to, how to play FPSs, I was really bad at them. I've, I've never, I've, I have a pretty decent aptitude for video games, but I never had an aptitude for specifically a first person shooter. And I used to date a guy who was really, really into it. And I decided to learn and 
it was it, aside from like you know relationship wise or anything i was playing with a group of guys that were really really good at halo and i was learning how to play it and i was really crappy and i killed someone who's really good with a really good shot for the first time and i was so excited and i know that feeling so well because i wanted to be good at that game so bad <laughs> And I was so, so very bad at it. But after that, I learned how to play it because it was like motivation. Very apt analogy. That 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 is, and that's sort of you know that 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 was her moment where she realizes that you know I can be good at something because the entire time before she was you know really trapped in this whole world of just being a cheerleader for her older sister because her older sister was the important one least to her and the idea that she can become like that sort of awakened her drive and boy did it awaken her drive like she is now she went from someone who had nothing to now having potentially the the strongest drive of anybody in the entire show because she's like i go ahead because she's like sorry was that (laughs) i was saying go ahead basil because i jumped in front of you and i'm sorry well i mean she she goes straight into you know, getting this club formed and she's like, now I need meeting space and now we're going to win, go to this tournament. Now we're going to conquer this tournament. Now we're going to get more people. Now we're going to go and we're all going to beat this thing and we're all going to, you know, it's, she's, you know, her eye is always on the prize. But what's nice is that, that she isn't aiming for a prize. She's just seeing as a, seeing it as a step. She's, she knows what she loves and she kind of knows what path there is. And she's like, okay, I've accomplished this. This is the next thing. This is what I want to do next. And she's not aiming to be queen. She just wants to be the best she can be, which is kind of awesome. It is kind of awesome. I think you could argue, too, that uh, I'd say at least 20% of what she does is pretty decently unhealthy though uh yeah. she she is singu- she is singularly focused and to the detriment of pretty much everything around her grades paying attention to her friends in a lot of cases that aren't affiliated with karuta and um you know I, it's nice that her mother comes to support her in the series as well with the uh kimono piece like uh she gets behind her hobby, even though it is something that in her in her household, her sister is getting a lot more of the attention and a lot more of the, the direct hands-on interaction with the parents. Oh, my God. Can I stop you for a second? I just It's not going to be a spoiler because no one listening to this will understand, but I just got to say, to that point, the hand slap on the back by OA to Mishima at the end of episode 25. Right? (laughs) (laughs) Sorry, listeners, that was entirely geeky, but you have to watch this series for that moment because it's amazing. (laughs) But again, that's just Shafra. And and again, there's there's a whole team. And the whole interplay with all the characters and how they're all growing, all thanks to this card game. It it is immensely fascinating to watch. You know, watching out Tai Chi overcoming his own uh, foibles, his own problems, because he's not naturally gifted at Karata like Ayase is. And the ways that he has to really fight to to overcome those problems, just so he can keep playing this game that he enjoys and wants to keep playing with to to keep his attachments that he wants to keep. 
But really, that goes for everyone in the show, which is a rather nice point. Because all these characters grow uh, to a vast degree, not only learning to accept their own limitations and then adapt or adapt what they learn by being defeated by certain opponents, um, and then you know integrating lessons within themselves. Um, but they do it not only within matches, but with life lessons as well, which in turn help their matches. But everyone grows, and it's an amazing thing to watch because it's not spelled out for you at each step of the way like most anime. It's just hey, look, she's doing that thing in that last match the other person did that brought her down, and it's not highlighted. It's just there. So if you see it, it's an anime that grows and builds its characters and knows it's doing it and doesn't dumb it down for the audience. I, I agree. I, I, Sorry, go ahead, Basil. <laughs> well, I was just going to say, I think that's a case of the the wonder one wonderfulness of it of us getting a, a Jose adaptation where it's based off a manga that's designed to be read by older readers. Mm. That it's not designed to be read by kids. It's not dealing they're not trying to, you know the target audience they want to engage with with this property, with this show, is our adults, not children. And for a lot of anime that we tend to watch and enjoy the vast majority of the stuff is going to be either shonen or shoujo. We don't get a lot of the older stuff. And even the stuff that we do get, like the Satan stuff, a lot of Satan stuff is actually like, you know, our more nostalgic, gushy mangas. More like things like, you know, uh, Azumanga Daio, uh, which is a really good example, but other things like that, like the whole, you know, girls club of girls doing things and being cute. Oh God. Four coma. It's a lot of four coma stuff is made that way. They take a four panel comic, I mean, and turn it into a show and there's just not a lot there. So it turns out to be cute girls or cute boys. Now, sometimes, you know, that are adorable doing kind of funny things that are self-referential. But because, um, Chihayafuru, it, it's Jose and it's long form, but it, it is designed for older readers. It, it knows it can be smarter than the average bear. It, it knows that it doesn't have to spell everything out or else you may not notice it. And so yeah, I do, I totally agree with you, Ink. I think you're totally right. And I just think it's one of those cases that we're, the fact that we're getting something that is designed for older people, it's not going to be as handholdy. It is wonderful to watch the characters develop because it, I agree entirely. It's it's A lot of it's not laid out directly in front of you. And it's not what you expect to happen sometimes either. I won't go into spoilers during this piece of it, but mm. there's, there's things... You're watching a traditional show where someone is trying to be the best, uh, you know, uh, that they can be in this certain thing. And it's not always that you win every match and it's not always that things work out in the right way and it's not always that you get to do exactly what you want to do at the right time you know and and there's a good balance of that in it too very much so and also characters they'll choose different aspects of karuta that they actually want to get into you know one of the characters realizes that you know being a reader is in fact just as important to the game as it is the people playing the game and so they realize that what their goal is isn't actually be the best player, though they want to be a better player too. 
what they actually want to focus on is becoming a reader themselves and speaking, you know, the actual poems. And how much? Or, oh, sorry. Go ahead. Or the fact that the poems are there and the poems are important and it might be something that you want to pay attention to more than it just being a card game. The fact that it is based off this, you know, classic literature. And how much do you... It, oh, sorry. No, go ahead. How much do you love the fact that each specific character trait, each, char- each character's strength, I should say, is linked to how they play Karuta, um, or Karuta. I will forever pronounce that word, and I'm sorry, listeners. Um, but you take Oe, who, as you mentioned, like really connects with the poems. She's also the one who wants to be the reader, the only person in the game who gets to read the entire poem or make that entire poem be heard. That is her goal, because she loves those poems so much. She wants all the people playing that game in the room to be able to hear and feel that poem. And Chihaya's strength, her her speed and her hearing, you know, she she's equally as quick and uh, flighty in life, you know, in her in her, her life outside of the game. So much like um, uh, Descomu, uh, I can't pronounce his name. Glasses, uh, overly analytical. Great A student, fantastic student. He can analyze anything, produces these fantastic game plans. That's how he connects with Karuta. He can, you know, devise strategies like no one else. All these all these traits, and it goes for every member of the uh, you know, Mizusawa team, just defines them, their gameplay, their way of life. It's an amazing way to depict your characters. I agree. And you would have never thought there was so much depth in this game, you know what I mean? That people you could pull so much out of it from different people. Mm. But it they they just do a very good job of it. And I, I think it is a case of because it is a card game, like there's a lot there's just a lot, it's a card game, but there's a lot of physicality to it. Mm. Which I don't think even people initially, you know, when you're just learning the game probably as kids, you don't even realize. You know, it, it feels like, what if you took, like, a game of spades, but where you're actually having to, you know, physically throw down the cards as fast as you can or something. Where the actual speed matters besides than just the playing of the cards. And so you've got both this sort of analytical, this this mind game, this ability to, to mentally think about things, as well as the physicality of being able to physically obtain those cards when you want to or slap them away or touch them or however you need to interact with them. And so you have both these things where a lot of sports, you know, while there is, you know, mental gymnastics going on in any sport, the fact that this is a card game sort of brings that part up a notch uh, to the forefront where you're thinking that's going to be more the focus and not the physicality like you are going to see in most other sports things. But in reality, uh, Karta has both. Yeah, it's it's amazing that intense deliber uh, the intense deliberation of strategy, um, that takes place you know in the characters' heads while thinking about oh well you know I've got X many cards left these are what have been read this is where my opponent has been taking from he might favor this side but then 
it all comes down to that split second uh, slap against the tatami mat, you know, and, and it's just done so well with that balance of, you know, the physical, like you mentioned, and they, there, there are so many dimensions to it too. It's just not a slap. There's defensive moves, there's offensive moves, all from a slapping card game. <laughs> it's amazing. And this anime just does a, such an amazing job of creating tension in the, in those games. Oh my god. That it is... There are very few shows that, once you get into the show, getting to the end of the NF episode and the card game's not done yet, and you're like, what? What? <laughs> I, I, what? It's so stressful. There are... It's stressful to watch Jihai Furu. <laughs> But in a good but way. But it's such a good stressful. It is. It is. It gets you excited about the next episode. <laughs> I think when this, you know, series gets licensed, because it will get licensed, so help me God. Um, I hope people, if, that when they put in the DVD or Blu-ray, hopefully, that they'll play one episode and deny themselves from watching the second just to build that tension between episodes. Because every episode ends on some sort of cliffhanger be it emotional or strategic it was frustrating and awesome it was it really was <laughs> there were so many text conversations between myself and Jess during the past two seasons of Chiafuru where one of us will finally watch the episode before the other one has and we're like oh god <laughs> don't say anything else just the oh god <laughs> He's correct. This happened a lot, <laughs> and it's and it's not even formulaic because you have you 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 explore sure you explore your main character's traits, and you have a rotating bit of not regular adversaries, but you you know people do come up again in season two that you faced in season one, but there there is enough difference. And enough backstory to all of the adversaries where nothing feels repetitive. There's always a new lesson learned, uh, a new strategy that needs to be faced and devised and overcome. And it's not always overcome, which is the nice thing. And I think we touched on that earlier. Yeah, this is a show where they don't always win. And it's and it's really nice because it, the way the whole Karato system is set up, is that they have both high school matches and then the more, you know, Japan-wide matches, as it were, where you have, you know, sort of the equivalent of two, you know, you've got your high school games and then your pro games. And because there's a mix, and because there's individual matches as well as group matches, there's enough different rankings and different, different sets of things that you can be doing uh, winning or losing, but even if you lose this game over here, you're not done. And a lot of sports anime, when they're trying, is usually, you know, mostly usually based in high school, and they're going for some high school championship. If they lose, they've lost, and that's it for that season. You would now need to progress the story on to a new year or, you know, to another tournament if there's more than one tournament. Usually there'll be like a summer tournament and a winter tournament. And at Chiafuru, you don't have that problem because there's so many different tournaments and things that, and qualifiers and things that you can deal with. You, you don't have to 
just because you lose in one doesn't mean you can't watch the characters play in another thing pretty soon. Well, there there are the uh, the Karta societies, They're sort of like the the training, the preemptive uh, study groups, if you will, for uh, Karta, and there are the individual matches, and there are the team matches, and something I thought Chiaifuru did almost maddeningly well was have the individual matches play before the team matches or the team match play before the individual matches and this takes place in season two uh specifically um because you get more in depth with character motivation and the effects matches have on the people in that season um after all the individual matches are finished or after all the Sorry, after the team matches are finished, they all split up into individual matches. And you get to see how that playing affected them there. So it's not only, you know, how it affects the team, but it's how it affects the individual. And it's almost everything at the same time, which is incredibly hard to pull off, but the series manages to do it. Yeah, the pacing of this show is incredibly well done. And I will have to point out to anyone who's worried about it being this weird card game, it doesn't matter. I I understand the basics of cards now, and I have absolutely no desire to actually play because I'd be terrible at it. Well, you also it's hard with the cards are in Japanese. <laughs> well, yeah. yes, but yeah. well, for example, there is a mini game in the video game Tales of Graces that actually does a Tales of version of Karta that you can play to earn bonuses. Hmm. And in fact, uh, I was researching cards early day. There is a game in the Super Nintendo Kirby Supercell Ultra called Kirby Card Swipe, which was a Kirby version of Karta. Nice. That you could play in the game. Uh, but it doesn't matter. I don't care. Like, I can watch a show and, and just saw along with the basics, I have no problems watching them play that game. And just getting hyped for it. Like, it is, there is no reason, because because you're not into that sport, to not watch this show. It is it is way more exciting than any game about cards, people actually playing cards, <laughs> should be. You know, it's not like, for example, uh, and I was, I was, got permission to complain about it at all, uh, Yu-Gi-Oh!, where the way they look... Our editor, Anna, is really into Yu-Gi-Oh! So. But Yu-Gi-Oh!, you know, you've got to do all those crazy, you know, yeah, have the actual monsters and things, right? You know, to make sure it's exciting. Uh, Chiafuru doesn't need that. Or, for example, more exa- maybe more uh, temporary is Fibrain, where they do all those crazy, insane puzzles. You know, Chiafuru is more exciting than that, and it doesn't matter, because even though it's just them playing cards... It is amazing just how much tension and how much excitement they're able to pull through with people playing these cards. It's nuts. It, it's reminiscent of Akagi, actually. Akagi. Um, the, uh, uh, crap. The uh, gambling? Uh, that's uh, Kaiji. I know it was, it was, it was, spiff- no, it's Kaiji. It was, it was, um. I said Kaiji was gambling, wasn't it? Yeah. Kaiju was gambling. This was Mahjong? Mahjong, thank you. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but it, it was almost the same formula. It's it's a lot of in-the-head, you know, tension, 
you know, what possible moves could be left and how do I do this and how do I read this particular player? But, you know, it's all about, it's all about the players and their headset more than the actual sport. You don't need to know the rules of Mahjong to enjoy Akage, just like you don't need to know the rules of Karuta to enjoy Jihai Furu. Which, granted, it's that's not dissimilar from most good sports anime. Like, you don't really need to know basketball very well not to enjoy Kuroko's basketball. And in fact, I have some friends who watch, actually, uh, Doug is one of them, one of our awesome cast members, who really enjoys Kuroko's basketball, even though they hate the actual sport of basketball. <laughs> they don't enjoy watching it at all. But Kuroko's basketball is different. And I really do think it's the effect that it has because it's a, it's not a life, you're not, you're not watching the sport live. I, I have a feeling that if I tried to watch actual car to matches. It wouldn't be as exciting. Well, you're not as invested in the characters. Right. Well, it's, it's because we're, we're watching a narrative. We're not watching an actual game. Yeah, exactly. You know, like, you're hey, also not going to hear their their thoughts either, because that's like a big piece of every episode is listening to the characters' thoughts and what they're thinking of their next move. Mm. Right, and you know, it's also, for example, it's there's a big major difference of watching going out to the field and watching a game of baseball being played versus watching baseball anime, because it's that same thing. Where while you are watching the people, you know, throw the pitch, and you know, you're watching the pitcher throw the pitch and trying to strike the batter out. You're not getting, in baseball's examples, the thoughts of the pitcher trying to throw the ball in a way to interact with the, the batter. And you're not hearing the batter's thoughts as the batter's trying to hit the ball. Well, I think when you're like, when you're talking about actual sports, the the, the the value in the narrative when you're watching an actual sport comes in your investment in the team. And it's your backstory and how much you know the the characters, so to speak, or the players. And that's really where people's investment in sports comes from. And if you're just watching a game, you don't necessarily have the same investment. Because I've watched, like, I'm a Green Bay Packers fan. And watching, I, I went to go see one of their games at uh, the last time that they played in Atlanta, which coincidentally was the year that we won the Super Bowl. Uh, and it's exciting. It's exciting because I knew a lot about the care uh, about the, the players. I'm calling them characters now. I knew a lot about <laughs> the players. My heart was broken because it was after Brett Favre was jerk bag and he retired and then came back to another team because he's an asshole. Um, and, you know, I, I was emotionally invested in it as a fan of the team, as somebody who's spent a lot of my life being a Green Bay Packers fan. But if I went to go see a Braves game, I would be bored off my butt. So I think it's a level of investment is really a piece of it. So what are you saying? You're saying Karta's not a sport? No, I'm saying Karta's Car- 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 not a sport. Karta's a fantastic sport. I am far more invested in Chihaya's rise through the levels of competitive Karta than even I am in Green Bay Packers. And I've loved the Green Bay Packers since I was about 12 years old. And folks, that's the magic of Japanese animation. <laughs> it is. It's true. All right. Well, um, are any other final thoughts before we get into, dig into the spoiler section? Mm. No, no. All right, cool. We're going to take another break. And when we're back, we'll be talking spoilers for Chihayafuru. We'll be right back. (laughs) 
And we're back. Now we'll be doing spoilers for Chihayafuru. And I'm going to start off with actually more of a personal basil spoiler. Because <laughs> I forgot about one of the things I really, really enjoyed um, in, Kar- in Chihayafuru. Which was the actual act of them reading the cards. One of that I, I always forget until I'm actually watching the show. Just that, that sort of chanting-like um, vocalization I, they use when they read the cards. Can I do it? Will you let me do it? Oh, please do. Like, go for it. And my personal spoiler is is that um, I'm Eastern Orthodox, uh, an Eastern Orthodox Christian, and I grew up going to a Greek Orthodox church. And whenever they would read like the epistles or other things, they would use a very similar chant-like tone when reading it. Oh, I totally like the people it's... in Money Python. Um, they're, they're, the monks are walking around hitting their foreheads at the, the, the slates. Yeah, it's that same sort of yeah. thing. Um, but the actual, uh, the act of, the, the act of chanting things, I've just grown up with it. And for whatever reason, the, the, the chanting, as it were, of the card reading in, uh, Chihayafuru really resonates with me. Like, it really reminds me of going to church, but, which is a really, for me, a good feeling. And so that is something that I sometimes forget that. That's one of my favorite parts about the show, but I'll forget about that until I'm actually watching the show. And so there, they have a little bit of Baylor, Basil spoiler there. So now spoilers for the actual show. I have a question for the group. Okay. Because I'm the girl in the group here, so um, what's your OTP in this show? OTP? OTP means one true pairing. It's who do you ship? Uh... <laughs> uh... Basil? <laughs> um, glasses and oh, the, the the new the new girl. Really, I, that's Samita? an interesting ship. I like Samita? that. Yeah. Like um, Hanano, I believe. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, she she's the uh, she's in the she's in the second season. She's the girl who wants who really wants to date, um, Taichi. You know, she's the more the, the she's the closest thing there is to a normal girl, quote unquote, in the show. God, I don't want to think of her as a normal girl. I like all the other girls <laughs> in that show so much better than her, just because she's she gets... such a typical girl. <laughs> but she brings such a neat dynamic into the show because you, we haven't had that yet, and the way it works, and just there are just many moments where glasses will do a thing. And then she'll realize that maybe, you know, looks aren't everything. Maybe uh, there are other aspects to a person that you can you can fall for. And it's usually um, glasses who does that mm. to her. Like there are there are several moments in the second season where he'll do a thing, and then she'll look at him, and this and the, you almost feel like there's like a light bulb starting to doesn't quite go off, but it's starting to. And I, I th- and so if I had to pick a ship, that's that's the ship I pick. I like it. I like it. I've I've Ink? 
<laughs> honestly never shipped any characters from this show. How uh, can you... No, you can't say that. Who no, do you I, I, I've, I've come up, up with one. I've come up okay, with one. Okay, okay, well, okay. Basil was speaking, but I've honestly never shipped before. But I think for the world's best cabaret love affair, I'm going to go with Sukaba and Retro-kun. Sukaba is the new guy on the team. Oh, oh, God! And Retro Kun is the fortune telling guy. guy Yeah, I know Retro Kun is. Oh, God. Oh, y'all are. God, I was hoping. I was hoping somebody. Somebody was gonna. Oh, God. So, so just, just, just loves uh, Arata and Chihaya, like forever and ever. Whatever, I love it. <laughs> Judge me. No, I, okay. So I read a lot of Tumblr, okay, because I'm on Tumblr all the goddamn time, and you know Tumblr's full of women, and uh, women <laughs> like to talk about relationships in this show, and it irritates the piss out of me because everybody's like Taichi this and Taichi that, and you know why they're like that? Because they care more about Taichi than they do about Chihaya. My favorite character in all of Chihaya Furu is Chihaya herself. Okay. Ayase, I love Ayase. I, 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 I worship the ground she walks on. All right, and if you look at the show and you watch the show, and it doesn't—it's great. Taishi's there to support her and all this wonderful stuff, but she's never asked him for it in a lot of ways, mm-hmm. other than being like a friend. And it's pretty obvious that she has some kind of feeling, complicated feeling for Arata, and. I just think it makes so much more sense because the people who are like, oh, she should get with Taichi are like, I like Taichi and I think Taichi deserves it. Well, you know what? I like Chihaya. All right. I like Chihaya and I think Chihaya should deserve whatever she wants to get in life. Just put that out. You realize you're, you're totally being flat with that pairing because all Arata is is a metaphor for the passion of Karta. And that is the opposite. You can make the, a complete opposite argument that her love of Karuta is based on her attraction to uh, Arata as a small as a child. Her because he's her Osana Nanjimi, uh, her chi- childhood friend trope, if you will, the first person who turned her head as a child. See, this is why I'm a horrible shipper, though, because I will analyze context before people. <laughs> <laughs> or maybe. I'm, I'm not arguing that Chihaya, like, I'm actually not in that boat, but I'm just playing devil's advocate here. You could argue that the, the moment she first felt worthy and the association she first felt with being worthy equally comes from being with him and being part of the game. Oh, yeah, and the I get idea of her, the idea of her being so driven to be better at the game is because it's her association with him. You could make that argument. You could if she totally and you could didn't also... look past him and just went like, "This is my card." She had, like he wasn't totally was never in the picture. It was just like, "I won this card in this match." Yeah, and there's some other guy there too, but I don't know. I think you could well, make that argument until the end of the second season, and I feel like it was a little bit more telling at the end of the second season. Yeah, that's just me. you're you're right because she's such she damages herself so much because we're low of her game. She really needs just a good masochist to, to to lead her in the right direction. So Sudo from Hokuto High School is obviously her best pairing. I love you, Basil. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god! Yeah, no, I just uh, I, I just wanted saying. to rant about that for a second, but no, I I actually I 
I'm not, I'm not a strong shipper in this series. It just irritates the piss out of me when people are like, oh my god, she should give up everything and be with Taichi. I don't think she should do shit all with Taichi. Like, that's great. He's got unrequited love, but whatever. You know? If she doesn't feel it, she doesn't feel it. No, honestly, I think your pairing is where it should go if they actually do complete a pair because of the metaphor that's implied therein. Yeah. So I'm with you. Well, that's that's where I see it going. But, like, I don't know. If this were real life and not an anime, realistically, she probably would be with Taichi. But I, I understand that. But, you know. Well, you know, he's, like, blonde and cute. Yeah. <laughs> no, I meant because he's around. Because, you know, he's he's there. Like, mm. physically there. I mean, like, in reality, I I don't want to be the, the killer of all romance here. But, I mean, that matters a lot. <laughs> yeah, sure. Intimacy kills romance. I get you. <laughs> no no i'm just saying like in reality she she would be with taichi because taichi is there taichi gives her affection and he's, he's not unattractive she has feelings toward him on a friendship level i just feel like i don't know in reality she she wouldn't really pine away for arata for that long and she probably would have been more aware but yeah i don't know that's just me proselytizing here i don't know <laughs> about <laughs> about shit so I, I, of course, then you could always, you know, go the other route with uh, pairing Ayase with uh, uh, Waka Mia, you know, the queen. Oh, the queen? Mm-hmm. Yeah, because they, re- they really like the shit. I see her more with Oya than I do with, uh, the, with the, the, the queen chick. But but then you but they get, you got that whole rivalry, man. See, I'm I'm spawning a whole fanfic in my head where Arata and uh, Wakamiya uh, they they have this flirt, uh, you know brief affair which causes turbulence amongst their other paired selves, and you know that causes trouble. And I'm probably writing something I shouldn't, so I'm going to stop that there. <laughs> no, I I could totally see it though because I've been reading the, la- the latest um, copies of. Uh, the manga version of Flowers of Evil, and that 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 seems totally feasible. Oh, right now to let's, me. Let's not bring that into it because that's like a whole other like two hour discussion. Easy. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it is. Yeah, it is. So, what what were your, some of your favorite matches mm. in the show? Because there 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 are a lot of good ones. I love everything with Oi in it. I'm going to be really honest. I think her matches are most interesting to me. Yay. I really do. I like her as a character. I, I think they should have done more with her. And I, I almost think like she's a little bit the voice of the audience, um, which I respect. And I, like, it, it's an interesting character development piece to be, because she's the one who so obviously knows what's going on in a lot of ways. But see, I see her in the role of the teacher more so than the audience there. Because she, she's, she's more old Japan saying, you know, this is what our heritage means. Internalize it, and you know, reap the benefits. I could see that. I mostly see her at the end of the second season. I absolutely see her in a lot of ways because she is, she's so much more aware of what's going on with all the characters and what their motivations are before anyone else is. And that's why I see her a lot as the uh, voice of the audience is because she's vocalizing things that the audience can see 
but mm. you know what I mean? To, to make it more obvious, like when Death oh. Tomu's having trouble, she notices when he has trouble, and she notices when uh, Nika Mancun is feeling bad about losing matches, and she notices that Taichi has a thing for Chihaya, and you know what I mean? And she she knows everything, and she voices it for the on behalf of the audience in some way. And actually, in uh, the since we're in the spoiler section, huge spoiler, well, not huge spoiler, uh, that episode twenty four, there's a moment where. Taichi and Chihaya go uh, up the stairs holding hands as he's leading her to uh, witness a match between uh, Wataya and uh, Wakamiya. And Sumiria catches the, the them running away holding hands and comes away like really gloomy because she's had this crush on Mishima for a while. And Oe just comes out with this first line from a poem about Ikabuki uh, Mugwort. I'm probably mangling that. Um, but it, it, the whole essence of the poem is, you know, restricted feelings and how much you feel them when you can't express them. And she just lays down that first line, says everything that needs to be said right there. And I, I love that moment. It's a beautiful moment. It is. And that's okay. when, that's one of those moments where, you know, the new girl, you know, goes, oh, right, these, these. Where you know, her entire reason to play this game is just to get close to Tai Chi, and this is the first time, one of the few t- times where she's like, "Oh wait, there really is more to this than what I'm thinking there is. That this has more, you know, connotations. This is actually maybe more important of a thing than I've realized when I signed up." Mm. And I like the uh, fact. I, I really. Sorry. No, you go ahead. I like the fact that she hangs around, honestly. I like the fact that she's continuously, like you're saying, discovering that there's more depth to these poems than she previously thought. And the fact that she stays in the club despite every indication that, you know, Machine uh, is not going to be interested in her at all. There's something indicating that she's really gripping onto these poems. And I think that's really the core of the series is, you know everyone identifying with the poems in a different way and it inevitably leads them to each other through a game through an anime to an audience and I think that's like the most important thing no and uh, one of the things that I am really impressed about this this show is how well paced these two seasons are that while I would love to have more of it I'm okay with what I've had so far. Like I could buy this and feel like, especially the first season, I could they could have they could have never given me a second season, and I was totally okay with where they ended that first season. I, I felt it was I knew there was a lot more to tell, but I felt pretty complete in finishing it. And similarly with the second season, it wasn't quite as well because it is it, it's really building on top of itself. But it still ended in a really good spot where I'm like, okay, I, I, I'm good with what I've got so far. Yeah, I, I like the pacing in the first season better, but I, I didn't, it's not like I dislike the second season. It's just, there's, it's hard when you have a, a, an ongoing manga and you have to end it and it has to end at a certain place. So, you know, I don't think they could have done any better with it. I agree. Well, that's what I was that's what I kind of referred to, like, the first season, we, it felt like we got a really good completed story arc. Whereas the second season, because it's building on that first arc, 
it's now having to ramp things up. But because they couldn't ramp things up to the level that you're expecting now out of the show, that you're right. I feel the first season was better at it than the second season, but the second season still ended at a point where I'm okay with it. Yeah. I think the first season was way more accessible because it had so much to build up and so much to work with and flush out. And it did a remarkable job within its 26 episodes of doing so. And then, like you said, the, uh, the, the second season, it came up against this wall. Like, we've already done all this exposition. Like, okay, we'll add a couple more characters. And, you know, they barely flushed them at all, all at, uh, out at all. But I think the magic of the second season is how well they developed the strategy of the game. Because that's not really a point in the first part. In the first season, the first season is more developing the characters and how they connect. The second season is a lot more about the game, but at the same time, it's not game specifics. It's how each character uses their own talent to advance within the game. And it's, it's like season two is better analytically than it is... Um, off the cuff, so to speak. I could see that. Yeah, yeah, totally. Although, go back, go back to my uh, my original question was, uh, admittedly, the the game where um, Chiha wins by jamming her finger. Oh yeah. Like was, like, and admittedly, that's also you know, one of the more recent games. So this just could be my memory going like, yeah, that was really good, wasn't it? But it was really good. And just the fact that she was sort of playing against someone who was, who had similar, you know, power set as it were to to the queen, but you know, was still still a little bit different and was still coming into her own, and but you know, and giving Chia, you know, her own, her 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 own warm up to that, and then winning by, just again, you know, throwing all caution to the wind and just trying to do her best. And it ends up coming with, you know, somewhat severe repercussions for her. It was just, it was, it was awesome. See, I didn't draw the parallel with the queen as much as I did as Chihaya Furu, you know, confront, uh, Chihaya confronting herself, her younger self more specifically. Because Chihaya, by the end of season two, has grown to the point where she's incorporated so many of her mistakes and, and mistakes and learned from them that she is totally grown as a character. And who she's paired up against in that last match not only has an advantage of the same sort of sense of hearing and quick reflex as Ayase had to begin with, but she is also the granddaughter of the reader and is familiar with Mm -hmm. her speaking tone, which helps her throughout the match. So there's a huge barriers because uh, Ayase is older now, implying, you know, a little slower, um, but a little more knowledgeable. And I love everything that match implies. It's fantastic. It's, it's experience and wisdom overcoming youth and, you know, um, slap-happy, card-grabbing, you know, uh, instinct and uh, uh, instinct. Yeah, you're probably right. There's, there's no I, right. That, that, it's that's just, a, you know, uh, that, that's how I no, see no. it. Well, no, you're, you're, you're right. I, I can definitely not, once you, now you said that, I can see that. I could definitely see that. But that really goes to, goes to show you just how awesome the show is. That we can both watch the same match and go, it kind of reminds you of this. 
well, actually, this reminds me of this. And they're both valid, and we're, and it's just, it's, it's a stupidly deep show. <laughs> just in that, and it's not deep, like, oh man, that's so deep, but more like, Leo, layers of an onion. You can just keep peeling at it. And you, you know, honestly, sort of the the thing that frustrates me the most about it is that nobody I know watched it except for you, Basil. Like, that's what frustrates me the most. Because I get done with a Chihaya episode and I'm like, oh god, I need to talk to somebody about this. Like, I I, I really need to. And there was, like, you and then, and then Stucky didn't really get into it. And so I had no one to talk to it about. And it broke my heart because people get online and they talk about like the latest episode of Naruto, like they're they're going out of business. But there was no one to talk about Chihaya with. It breaks my heart that it wasn't as popular, and I guess when it was coming out on the streaming market than than other things. You see, for for me, it was actually a case of Doug, who it was actually Doug who got me into the show, where. She had watched it and was like, hey, Basil, you should watch this show. And I hadn't got into it yet. It was about two or three episodes into it at, the, at this point. And I just hadn't gotten to it yet, although I'd heard good things. I started watching it and going like, oh, man, this is great. This is awesome. This is perfect for me. Oh, my God. I am so into this thing. And I go to Doug. And Doug's like, yeah, I only really watched the first episode. I wasn't really into it. But I could tell you were. You would be. And I'm like, no, you can't do this. <laughs> You can't leave me alone like this. This now, you suck. Oh, no. And so I was kind of in the same boat, Jess. It was awful. It was awful. I started about eight episodes into the first series, I think, when it was airing. And I don't understand how somebody can watch the first episode. Because you have to watch, like, the first three or four. Because you have to get out of the childhood arc until you understand what the hell's going on. So, I don't know. I feel like you really just got it. You have to break that barrier and to, to really experience the show, you know? I, I agree. And I think that's where, that's where Doug missed out. Doug just watched the first episode. I'm like... Did you keep going? Doesn't know. And I'm like, ah, oh, you should have kept going. You would, you've been attached. You, you can, once it gets its grip into you, you can't let go. But you know, conversely, you know, for example, I showed it to Anna, and the next thing I know, the next week, like the entire first season was watched, yeah. and I'm like, holy crap! And the next thing I know, she's caught up with me in season two when we were watching it, and I'm like, what? what when did that happen? What, what did you do? She's like, I just kept watching it. <laughs> and I'm like, well, I, I guess I can't blame you there. So yeah, it, it is, it is, I, I really, really enjoy this show. There's just so much that you can, there's so much, there's so much you can put into it and get out of it. And it's, ah, uh, it's, it, it's great. So any other uh, spoilers we wanted to deal with before we, we wrap up? I'll, I'll explain in the spoiler section that stupid little hand pat thing I said before, because it is Go one of the it. cutest effing moments in the, in the the end of the second season. Um, you know, all the while this series is building up this love triangle of uh, Ayase, Mishima, and uh, Wataya, and Oe is so obser- observational, as Jessica mentioned, Um She's walking with 
uh, Oe is walking with uh, Mishima down the street at one point, and she just stops like she's had enough of it, and she just starts patting him on the back just fervently, like she had something to say, and she has to say it, you know, through her hands against her sh- against his shoulders, and she just looks at up up at him and says, "You have to try harder," because she knows Chihai is just that dense. <laughs> He's not going to get through to her by any other means other than being uber direct. And I love that stupid little moment. <laughs> it was delightful. Uh, I will, you know, speaking of things where characters are, you know, interacting, I, I love, I, I did love all the initial reactions between uh, uh, Chihaya and the queen. Mm-hmm. Because the queen, her big thing is that she really loves little cute things. But. She's kind of creepy about it. Kinda. Yeah. Uh, uh, <laughs> I'll give her kinda. I mean, I've now 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 that I've seen Watsumote, um, <laughs> I I now have to say kinda. <laughs> um, Good call. But 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 she just sees just sees so right through it, like just right through it, and just realizing that man, if only those two characters were like on the same team or something. She would just so break through that wall that the queen's got, just like 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 it was nothing. And we'd see a completely different dynamic if you know just a few circumstances were different. I could see that. Yeah, I dig it. But because not, and ah, uh, the whole thing with her trying to you know to get Arata like on her side. And Arata, like, having none of it. Like, they had some of the best interactions in the second season. Well, that's that's very specific, or at least I I overanalyzed it to the point that it was very specific, because season two is all about teamwork. Every single aspect of that season, you know, puts team ahead of individual, including the order of matches. And the, the reason why the queen wants Arata on her side is because she wants someone to be lonely with. The backstory she's given is that I think she was basically like abandoned or made to be the best despite friendships and just felt ultimately lonely because she was better than everyone else and made to bow down to, you know, let other people think they were better. She could never be accepted for what she was, how strong she was. So she was always forced to cover up. And in Arata, she sort of sees the same thing. He's isolated because of his grandfather's prowess um all the shadow he wallows in and has actually you know almost to a a point usurped um so she wants that compliment but not necessarily the attachment and i really love that that was a fantastic like uh like you said that their interactions were fantastic but for that point for me like and for him i think it's a case of he he has the experience of being on a team, and I think it's something he he secretly, if he's not you know completely honest with himself, he he actually really wants. Like I think there's a part of him that really wishes that he was actually a part of uh, Mizuzawa Mizuzawa. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but he can't be, and so he's got this really weird you know an apprehension, and also that team that Chiaya has. There's so many people that he doesn't know. He only knows two of them really. You know, her and Taichi. And so there's also this sort of apprehension if you really want to, because he's like, well, there's 
they have all these other people with them now. I don't, I don't, I don't know if, if I can really be important anymore, even though he so is. Oh my God. And sorry, go ahead. And no, you go. I, I, I lost my thought. I'm completely sorry. You just blew my mind for a second because when you were talking about him wanting to be part of the team, which they do spell out, I think to a point, um, yeah, toward the end of the second season. Yeah. Yeah. I, I was just thinking how much of it is a parallel when he subs in for that other team, uh, West something or other, the, the school that his school was next to, um, the team that lost two of its members or three of its members due to traffic. Yeah. How important is it that he subs in for a team that only has two other members that he knows where that connects with him in some way? That's him. Re- oh, yeah, that's, that's true. him regaining his connection with Chihaya and Mashima. It's him playing on a yeah. three-person team. That's even more awesome yeah. for this show. <laughs> <laughs> like, man, like, what? All right, so before we we, we really wrap up, what are things that, because I've only seen the, the two seasons, but I don't know if anyone's read, read it further in the manga or not, but what are the things you would like to see happen if the show kept going? <laughs> um, it would be toward the end of the show but emotional release <laughs> just my personal view emotional release of some sort somebody admitting feelings to other people <laughs> feelings what yes feelings this isn't about feelings this is about all the poetry feels. all the feels <laughs> No, 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 feelings. We, we don't do this feels crap on the Ozzycast. <laughs> it is feelings or feelings. Feelings. Um, I honestly, just the cynical son of a bitch I am, I would love to see Chihaya fall in love with Kuru to the point where she becomes the queen and forsakes her friends. Um... <laughs> Which will never happen. That's not the way the series say, is that's built. Not, that's not part of the series. I don't think that would happen. No, no, not in a thousand years. But I'd love it if it took that unexpected turn like through a couple more seasons. Um, honestly, I'm just enjoying the ride. I have no expectations of the series other than where it will take me and how it will take me. Yeah, I'm, I, I, I am kind of the same way. Like, I just... I, I really, at this point in my life, I really want to get to the point, though, where... Where I really want to see the match with Chihaya and the Queen on equal terms. Like I, I want to see that actual Queen's match. Mm. Like I, you know, it's that because that's sort of where you know the right now that's where the show is leading to. Like that's one of the big big matches. Potentially, probably it's actually going to be you know uh, Chihaya versus Arata. Like you know, a sort of a mirror match of the Queen versus Arata, and see w- w- how that would turn out. But the one I really want to see right now is the is the Queen versus uh, Chihaya. I, I want I want to see that, and I want to see it on the equal terms where they're both, you know, at their best, at their prime. And I just want to see how that turns out. That will be epic. So, all right, we're going to take one more break, and then we'll come back with final thoughts and our patent pending awesomes out of awesomes. We'll be right back.
And we're back. So, G.I. Afuru, you can uh, watch it on Crunchyroll uh, both seasons. So there is a way that you can watch it completely legally. And I strongly suggest that you do. I, I think we can all agree on that point. Yes. Yes, please watch it. Dear God, please watch it. And after hey. you watch it, tweet about it and hashtag Shihayafuru and, you know, maybe tag some of the U.S. distributors that, you know, issue your favorite anime so that they can realize that people are talking about Shihayafuru so they can license it and bring it to you on, like, physical media form. Uh, just, just, heads up, just don't even bother with Crunchyroll. Just don't even bother. Yeah, they're, they're never going to take this show. So focus, focus, NIS, Sentai. Those are who you want to you know, write stuff. Oh yeah, I Those... I think NIS is really poised to well to take it. So NIS releases a lot of slower, slice of life, deliberate kind of well written shows, and I think it's just right up their alley. If you actually go to AnimePlanet.com, which is I'm not going to plug them too much. I, I just like to use them because if you really like a TV, an anime, and you want to see what anime are like it, and other people, kind of like Netflix, you know, other people who like this like this. It's the perfect site for that. And the very first listing on Chihayafuru is Hanasako Iroha. And Hanasako Iroha has a, it's not a similar show in a lot of ways, but it has a almost like a similar pacing. It's a little less intense, like in this kind of the... the the sports anime genre, but it it's the same kind of deep writing and a similar pacing on a lot of levels. And NIS released it, like released it not even that long ago. So just putting that out there. So any any final thoughts before we we start rating this thing? Mm. Any summations of what you'd like to think people people to think about Chiafuru? You need to watch it through the first R through the until they grow up. If you start the show and you don't get into it after the first episode, keep watching it until they grow up. It's not very long, and you'll love it by that point. Honestly, I think they grow up after the first episode. So even if you just give it the old three episode try, I think three episodes worth will give you enough of an indication whether you want to watch the show or not. It's all of sixty minutes of your life. Spend it. You'll waste, like, so many more watching the rest of it, and it won't be a waste, because it'll be awesome. That's right. And speaking of awesomes, all right, let's let's finally, we'll, let, let, let's rate this thing. Our, our awesomes out of awesome. I mentioned earlier when we were explaining these things, like, you can, for example, you can do, like, 100 poems out of awesome. But I, I really, but now that I've said that, I can't use that. And no one else can either. <laughs> Ha-ha. Well, what's yours, Basil? Yeah, that's the problem. I shouldn't have said that so, so soon. Too soon, man. Too soon. Too soon. So I am going to give it me, again once again, completely mispronouncing Yuki Tuetsugu, the Mon creator out of Awesome. Just for you two. <laughs> Jess? Oh, I gotta go next. Okay. No, I'm turn. giving it 3,000 pounds worth of Korean barbecue out of awesome. Ooh. That's, that's a lot of Korean barbecue. It's a lot of awesome. <laughs> it's true. I'm, All right, Inc., bring us home. I'm going to give it 25 Torafuda out of 
25 Yomafuda awesomes. That's a no no wow. dead card match for anyone who's been paying attention. <laughs> I I now feel more cultural in my understanding of life just just from that. I'm man. <laughs> so yeah, uh Chihayafuru. It's on Crunchyroll. Watch it. Tweet about it, talk about it, Facebook about it. Yell at publishers to publish this thing so we can actually spend more money on it. And thank y'all very much, both of y'all, for coming on the show. Thank you so much for doing this. This is awesome. Yeah, thank you for having us. So, once again, awesomecast.com, momocon.com, anygamers.com. Subscribe to Otaku USA. Uh, my Twitter is at It's Basil Time. Uh, mine is at Jess Panda. Mine is at Animated Inc. And once again, thank you everyone for listening. And until next time, we are out. We are out.